I need to start this morning with a confession. Sounds very sinister, it's not, but I need to confess it. And this is a confession about my parenting. Uh, Eva is now, she's just over a year old. Uh, I thought my parenting skills, I thought I was getting on okay. Uh, I thought, yeah, I'm doing most things all right. And then something happened in the week. Shocking. It was dreadful. What had happened was um, Steph had, had planned with my mum, so my mum would have Eva for a morning, so Steph could get on with some work. So the idea was when I was going to work, I would drop Eva off on my way, then I'd pick her up on my way back at lunchtime, and we'd all uh, have lunch together. I dropped her off at my parents in the morning, no problems. I went to work, I was preparing my preach, uh, and then got to, got to lunchtime, and so I thought, right, I'll pick Eva up and I'll, I'll head home. And, uh, on the journey, I thought, while I was walking, I was like, I'm just going to process the things I've been thinking about with my preach, just to see if I can get some structure to the thoughts I've had and make good use of my time. So I was thinking about this stuff, and I got halfway home, and I realised that I'd forgotten something, um, or someone. Uh, I'd totally forgotten to pick Eva up. Fortunately, she was asleep, so she didn't have a, you know, really didn't make much difference to her. Uh, I'd actually, I'd crossed my parents' road to get to where I was going already. And I'd look down there, and I'd, I remember thinking to myself, oh, it's my parents' road, I wonder if they're about that. So I'll carry on walking. And I remember that. And uh, it was quite embarrassing, uh, but it's good to, to share our feelings with one another sometimes, sometimes as well. Uh, but, so I've been thinking about my preach for today, and in and of itself, I thought that, that was a good thing. It was a good thing to be thinking about. It was a good thing to give my attention to. And even though it was a good thing, it distracted me from what I'd set out to actually be doing, which was to pick my daughter up. So it was a good thing, but it actually stopped me from doing that. So during our first meeting, back this year on Sunday the 3rd, God spoke to us as a church. He revealed something of his heart for us. He revealed something of his plans for us, for what he has for us this coming year. And we're going to spend the next two Sundays looking at it. Uh, Mike and I felt it was important not to move on too fast, but to really spend some time kind of digesting it and, and thinking about it and thinking about what it's going to mean for us. I think there's going to be a lot of things going on in the church this year. Life is busy. I'm hopeful that many of the things that we'll be doing are going to be excellent and good things, but we don't want to miss what God has specifically revealed to us. He shared something of his heart for us, something specific. We don't want to miss that. We don't want to be distracted from what it is that we're set out to do. We need to keep our, our eyes fixed on what he has spoken to us about. And not to be distracted, even though things might be good. Like I was distracted, I forgot my daughter. Uh, I was, the thing I was thinking about was good, but what I'd set out to do, I was distracted from it. So we just want to take this time to really kind of embed what God has spoken to us and just spend some time thinking about it. Not to rush over it too quickly, because we want to be prepared and ready for when what God has said actually presents itself. So, the word that God revealed to us. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down. I'm going to do part of it this morning, and Mike's going to pick up the rest, and I'll do a little bit again next week. It might be up on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you. It came from 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8, and this is Paul, when he was writing. He says that he will stay on Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. And this is what uh, God is speaking to us as a church. Firstly, there's going to be a great door for effective work. So this year, there will be a door for effective work that is opened to us. We need to be alert and recognize the opportunity when it is given. 
In this passage, Paul's effective work was to the Gentiles, and so for us, the effective work will not be a good works project, but an opportunity to share the gospel for the Holy Spirit to change lives. Secondly, there are many who oppose me. We must be prepared for opposition, which doesn't mean that we are just to expect it, it means we are to prepare for it. We are to get our house in order, put into practice the training we've received, get close to God, get stuck in, into his word and use our spiritual gifts effectively. We need to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and why we are here, and then to start believing it. We already have the victory. And then third, Paul gave himself a time frame. He said, I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. It's a time frame in which to complete the work. This will not be a lengthy project. It is just for this year. We'll have an end time, so we must put everything we have into the work for the time we are given to do it. The feeling that this door of effective work that God has spoken over us is going to be like an outreach opportunity. It's going to be a way to uh, reach into our community, to get involved with the community. It's an opportunity that will be given as a church, but it's not that we're going to be providing a service of some kind. It's really about having this outreach opportunity. It's going to be different from anything that we do at the moment. And it's going to be something that all of us are going to do together and all of us have a part to play in it. We don't have all the details of what this door of effective work is going to look like. God hasn't said that. He's just said, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, we don't have like, the plans and we don't exactly know what, what it will be like. But I think that's okay. Because the thing that stuck out to me is God has said, he's going to do something. But actually, this is a time for us to get prepared. Which is why we're spending these two weeks looking at it. This is a time for preparation. This is a time for us to get ourselves ready. We've called these two weeks respond. Steph, she said, as soon as I said respond, she said, that's a verb. And when I was at primary school, verbs were described as doing words. So we've called it respond because actually there's something that we need to do individually and corporately together. There's a response that we have to make to think about actually what is God calling us to? What will this preparation look like for each one of us? And we're going to actually have to do something about it. What is our reaction going to be to what God has said? What are each of us going to do in response? This isn't just for a team of people. We've got other things going on as a church, different uh, areas of the community we're involved in, and they're kind of headed up by teams of a few people that do those things. But this is going to be something that the whole church is going to be involved in. We're all going to have a part to play. So as one body, that's why we're going to look intentionally at this word over these two weeks, because we've all got a part to play in it. So 1 Corinthians 16 verse 8, just want to spend a, uh, just a moment thinking about the situation that Paul found himself in. He said that he will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work is open to me and there are many who oppose me. So for Paul, his door for effective work, what it was, was an opening for the gospel to be discovered. It was an opportunity to share the gospel with those that needed to hear it. Now when I'm talking about the gospel, I'm talking about the good news of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, and the transforming power that that has. In Acts 19 to 20, we actually read about Paul's time in Ephesus. He was there for around three years. Uh, he was teaching daily to, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, so the non-Jewish people. He's preaching to Jews and Gentiles. And there's this, just this one line that really stuck out to me when I read through it. And it said that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. 
So what Paul was doing, where he was sharing in Ephesus, something was impacting the surrounding areas and impacting the nations around. Because as people were hearing the gospel, as people were being transformed by the gospel, as they were going, the gospel was spreading. And it spread to the extent that the whole of Asia had heard the word of the Lord. But he also faced great opposition. And if you were to read through Acts 19 to 20, actually, you get to see what some of this opposition looks like. It goes into it in a, in a bit of detail. So it's really helpful to just spend some time actually looking through, looking through the situation that Paul had found himself in. See, Paul was aware of this door that God had opened up to him. He said, actually, there is this door for effective work that's been opened to me. But he responded by staying where he was. He said, actually, I'm, I'm not going to rush off. I'm not going to carry on with my journey. God has opened this door. My response is to take what God has said, to recognize this opportunity. I'm going to stay where I am and to make the most of it and to share the gospel and to see lives being changed. So this week we're going to look at point one and then Mike and I will look at points two and three next week. So let's just look at point one again. This year there will be a door for effective work open to us. We need to be alert. To recognise the opportunity when it is given. In this passage, Paul's effective work was to the Gentiles. And so for us, the effective work will not be a good works project, but an opportunity to share the gospel for the Holy Spirit to change lives. The first thing that stood out for me um, is it says that there is a door for effective work that will be opened to us. And then the next sentence, we need to be alert. And to recognise the opportunity. A door is going to be open to us. This is God's work. This is God's initiative. This is nothing that we've come up with ourselves. This is nothing that we've been pushing for. God, in his wisdom and in his, sorry, in his initiative, he is going to open this door. But, then it says, we need to be alert and to recognise the opportunity. This is our response. This is our action. This is us working in cooperation and partnership. With God. There's that song, isn't there, that goes, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I'm going to say this now. This is not what our attitude is to be like. We are not fatalists. We're not those that just think, okay, God's spoken this, let's just wait. Let's look back at the end of the year and see if, you know, what God said it actually happens. I don't believe in fate. God has spoken a word over us. I'm going to trust him in that but also to recognise that we have a part to play. We're not just to sit back and to be passive and to wait. It's not a case of whatever will be, will be. No, God has spoken to us. He said he will open a door, but we need to be. We need to be alert and we need to be ready. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to head there in, in just a moment. Um, I've shared with you a failing of my parenting this morning. I feel like I need to share... Uh, something that I've grown in now in terms of my parenting, just to kind of balance it out. Um, I, I'm the sort of person that if, um, if I were to go to a restaurant with someone else and to have a, you know, like a sharing platter for two or something where you're meant to share, I'm the kind of person that will count each of the items, find out exactly how many there are, and I'm not the only one by the looks of it. And I will either, that one doesn't surprise me, Pete. And uh, I will either take my fair share onto my own plate, or I'll very clearly separate on the, on the big plate what's mine and what is the other person's. It's true. Steph is nodding. It is true. I'm, I'm getting better. But here's the thing. With Eva, 
I'm more than happy to share my food with her. Uh, even just unintentionally, I'll be eating something, she'll come up, and I just find myself just doing it. I'm happy to do that. Uh, we shared an apple together this morning, and it was actually a little thing, but it brought joy. It, it was a lovely way to start the day. And as she gets older, I can't wait to do more things with her. I can't wait to share more of my life with her and to get her involved. I'm already thinking about how to get her involved in, out in the garden or things we're going to be doing around the house. So I want to make and build things together with her that I'll be able to look back with her and say, look, we did this together. I don't want to keep her at arm's length and say, no, this is what, you know, this is what dad does. Uh, and then this isn't for you. I actually want to be able to, to build something together with her. As sons and daughters, we have the immense privilege of sharing with our Heavenly Father in seeing his kingdom advance. We have the privilege of sharing with God in seeing his kingdom advance. He invites us to play a part because of the fact that we are his sons and daughters. He doesn't want to hold us at arm's length. He chooses to partner with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, we find this situation that Paul's writing into the church in Corinth, there's all these kind of little petty arguments that are going on. Some are saying, look, I'm a follower of Paul. And other people are saying, well, I'm a follower of Apollos. And it's kind of like, you know, the, my dad's bigger than your dad kind of stuff going on. You know, surely we're better than you are because we follow this guy. And Paul, he, he wants to address this. And he says, in, in verse, from verse 5, he says, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. And this is the key thing. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. We are co-workers with God. God chooses to work with us. That's why I called it an immense privilege. God, creator God, chooses for you and me to work with him and seeing his kingdom grow and seeing his kingdom advance. So God will open the door for us. So we have to ask ourselves, what is our response going to be to that? We, this isn't the elders, this isn't about Mike and Sam, it says we need to be alert. All of us need to be alert to recognise the opportunity. I think that uh, a major part of being alert and being able to recognise opportunities is, is by walking with and being led by the Spirit. Matthew 4 verse 1, we read that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So there's this cooperation. Jesus was led by the Spirit and he was obedient where the Holy Spirit led him. This, uh, this, this opportunity opened up and the Spirit led him. Acts 16 verse 6 this is speaking of Paul on, on his journey. It says that they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to, to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision... Immediately we sought to go, go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's a really interesting passage of scripture here. See, Paul was prevented 
by the Spirit in one circumstance. A door was closed to him. Then after that, Paul was given a vision to go to Macedonia. Another door was opened to him. See, there's a cooperation between us and the Spirit. And as much as the Holy Spirit, he closes doors and opens doors. He leads us and he directs us. But we need to respond with obedience. For Paul, he had this vision of this man from Macedonia. But it required him actually responding in obedience and going. Trusting that the Holy Spirit had led him in that direction. Taken hold of it and said, okay, that's where I need to be. But he had to respond and be obedient to the the Spirit's leading. A few weeks ago, uh, I think it was a week when uh, me and Nigel preached together. I said that from Acts 2 onwards, so after the Holy Spirit is given, the church becomes the Spirit-led church. That is true for us. We're people, we're living in the days where the Spirit has been poured out. We're to be a Spirit-led church, which means that each of us needs to be Spirit-led people. Each of us need to be led by the Spirit. We're to go on being filled. should be a daily thing to ask for more of Him. Scripture tells us to ask and we will receive. Ask for more of the Spirit. And really, this is what came through in the first Sunday of the year. Mike mentioned it earlier when Paul and a number of the younger guys were, were just sharing about the Holy Spirit and our need for Him and our cooperation with Him. It's about being led, about walking in step, allowing ourselves to, to hear uh, what He would say to us, but also how we're going to respond. I think it was Neil who said, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, then it's your responsibility to be obedient and do what He, what he tells you to do. It's of utmost importance. At the end of last year, I, I can't remember quite when it was, we went to an Elders and Wives weekend, and Dave Holden, who some of you may be aware of, he was, uh, he was sharing some, some things, I think, that kind of through his, through his life in leadership that he just wanted to pass on. And one of the main things that stuck with me, he was talking about our constant need to keep being filled with the Spirit. And he said, particularly speaking to, to, to elders, but this is true of everyone, he says, never think that you were above needing him. Never think that you were above needing the Holy Spirit. We all need him. We all need to be filled up constantly, every day. We should be asking for more of him. We are never above needing him. So as one body, we're to be alert. We're to be ready to recognise the opportunity, walking in step with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being able to hear what He would say to us and then being obedient to what He would say and where He would lead us. So as elders, Mike and I, we seek God on a regular basis for His leading, for His guidance for the church, the kind of things that we, that we should be doing uh, and what His vision for the church would be. But this, as I said, this isn't just for me and Mike. We're all to be ready. We're all to be alert. God in his wisdom has distributed gifts amongst the body. And for a body to work, each part has to function properly as it should. It's not just about one or two. It's about all of us being ready and alert and being prepared for the Spirit to use us. So if you feel that God is speaking to you about this, in particular this word, being alert and ready for the opportunity, if you feel that God has spoken to you about it, please share it with me and Mike. Don't keep it to yourself. Even if you're not quite sure whether it is from God or not, please share it with us and allow us to to, to talk it over and and think it through and seek God about it. Because we want to hear what God is saying. We want to be led where he wants to take us. We don't want to miss this opportunity. So I'm going to say it again. If God is speaking to you about this, please share it with us. So our effective work, this outreach, is not 
It's not a good works project, but it's an opportunity to share the gospel and to see the Holy Spirit change lives. This is the part that really got me excited uh, when it was brought on that Sunday. I remember standing up at the front and when I just heard the words, this is an opportunity to share the gospel and for the Spirit to change lives, I physically felt something. It was almost like in my gut, you know, in the really deepest part of you, I just felt something really get hold of me. And I thought, yes, this is it. This is what God has got for us. And just really exciting. I think I might have shouted something at the point as well. I'm going to say this. Good works projects are excellent. We've been involved in many in the past. Currently, the main ones, we've been involved in the Make Lunch, which is going on next week. And we've got people involved in the food bank. These are excellent things for the church to be involved in. And we need to keep being involved in those things. You know, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, to love the Lord your God with everything that you have. And he said, the second one is like it, is to love your neighbour as yourself. We need to be those who are looking out, looking after our neighbours, looking after those who are in need. We're called to help those who are in need. It's pleasing to God. That is what true religion is, is to help those who are in need. And that pleases the heart of God. So good works projects are excellent. We need to give ourselves to them and we need to do them well. But these projects, they assess specific needs. They're for particular people groups that have need that we are going to look to meet. But the gospel and a life being changed by the Holy Spirit is something that is needed by all. It's not just for certain groups or members in our community. That is something that every single person who has ever lived and who will ever live is needed. We need to to respond to the gospel and to allow the Holy Spirit to change our lives. Because we were created in the image of God with the commission to fill the earth with his glory. But all of us, all of us have sinned. And rather than spreading his glory, we've actually fallen short of his glory. We've done things that are offensive to him. We've done things where we've allowed our heart to be focused on things other than him. And we've worshipped other things. And as a consequence, we've been separated from the creator God, from our father God, who we were created to have a relationship with. But Jesus... Jesus changes everything. In Ephesians 2, quite, it starts out just really not holding anything back in terms of the situation that we find ourselves in. It says, And you were dead in, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, through his life, death and resurrection, Jesus has saved us, he's restored us to that relationship with our Father God, and he's given us a future. He's given us a future. We all need to hear the gospel. We all need to respond to it. I don't know if you've ever come across 
this phrase, but I've heard it a while ago and it's kind of stuck around in my mind for a bit, that the local church is the hope of the world. Has anyone ever heard that or something along those lines? The, the local church is the hope of the world. And I was thinking about, about it this week. I wasn't sure where I'd heard it. I didn't think it was a, something from scripture, but I thought it was an, it was an interesting idea. Uh, so I did a, a bit of research and I came across a video on the internet of a guy named Bill Hybels, who's a uh, founding pastor of Willow Creek Church in the States. And he explained where he, he first thought of this phrase, this phrase had come to his mind, and it's something that he's shared a lot. And he tells this story about he was in an airport in Puerto Rico, uh, waiting for a flight. He was there just reading his newspaper and his magazines. And then he just, he saw this thing happening. There were these two young boys. One was about seven or eight, and a younger one about five or six. And this older boy just started beating on this younger boy to the point where he got him on the floor. It was a stone floor and he was banging this kid's head on the floor. And Bill Hybels said he, he was kind of, as it had started to escalate, he was looking around for parents, no one came. And as it escalated, he just got involved and he pulled these boys apart. Uh, and then the, the stewardess came over to him and said, so your plane's about to leave, you're the last person, you need to, to, go, to go and board the plane. He's like, I can't go at this point, something needs to happen. It all got sorted out, some other people came in and, and got involved. And, uh, Bill said he got on the plane um, and it was taken off and was getting up to, to height. And he, he said all he wanted to do, he was physically shaking, just the adrenaline w was still there. And he said all he wanted to do was just read his magazines and to forget about everything that he'd done. But he felt God prompting him to put his magazine down and to process what he'd seen, to really think about it. And he felt God ask him, what must have happened to that young man for him to behave in such a way? What would make a boy of seven or eight years old that violent, that aggressive, with that much hatred and anger? And he, so he was sitting there just thinking about what could have happened to this young man. And then the Spirit led him in another way. He said, okay... So think about how his life might look. How could his future pan out? If he was to carry on on that course that he seems to be on, what's his life going to look like? And so he ran through these scenarios in his head, and it wasn't a good place where he ended up. And then the question came into his mind, okay, so what could change it? What could change the direction of this boy's life? Maybe a new law or legislation. Could it be a new government program? Maybe a new education program that he can get involved in. Maybe even some sort of new invention. You know, people love to invent things to, to solve problems. Maybe it could be that. And then he came to the following conclusion. He said that there is only one power on earth that can turn a hate-filled heart into a loving heart, a greedy heart into a generous heart, a selfish heart into a selfless or serving heart. There is only one power in the universe that can do that. And that's the transforming love of Jesus Christ, which has been given to the church to steward. The local church stewards the transforming message of Christ. Stewardship is the management of something that's been entrusted into your care. The gospel has been entrusted to us. The gospel has been entrusted to the local church. That transforming message of Christ that remedy to the need that is common to all. Church, this morning, that message has been entrusted to us. So when God says there's going to be this, this door that opens, an opportunity for the gospel to go out, to be shared, 
for the Holy Spirit to change lives. This is a huge deal because there is only one power in the universe that can change lives. And that's the power of the transforming love of Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring things to a close. But I want you to look around the room. Have a look at some faces. Can you do it now? Have a look around the room now. Faversham Community Church. These people that you're looking at. Us as one body. Faversham Community Church. We are stewards of the transforming message of Christ. Let that sink in for a second. We are stewards of the transforming message of Christ. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, we are walking witnesses of what that transformation looks like. God has promised us he will open up a door for the gospel to be discovered in a way that we've not yet seen. Something different to what we've done. So while we might not yet know what this opportunity is going to look like, we don't have the plans and the details of it, let me encourage you I'm looking for a word that's stronger than encourage you. But let us be praying that many will respond to the gospel. And that many lives will be changed by the Holy Spirit. Don't wait for this door to open. Start praying now. Please, can I urge you, start praying for these lives already. For these lives that are going to be transformed. For these lives that are going to be impacted and changed let's not wait until this opportunity is here, let's make it a part of our daily prayer some of us will plant others will water but ultimately it's God that's going to give the growth so let's partner with him in this, the door will be opened to us we need to be Let's think about what our response is going to be. Allowing that being open to being led by the Holy Spirit. Allowing him to speak to us. To reveal things to us. And that as a body, this is a word for us. This isn't for a few individuals. This is a word for us as one body brought together in Christ. Let's be ready to respond to what he would say.